Hello, listening friend. Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. What is prayer? Prayer is experiencing union and communion with God, our Heavenly Father. Some people tell me that they have difficulty practicing prayer. In just a moment, we will look at 1 Peter chapter 4 in a message entitled, Watching Unto Prayer. But first, listen to the music before we hear from God's Word. Our scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The world began to end on the day that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. However permanent this world may seem, however impossible it may appear to resist the powers of evil around us, the days of the world are neatly bracketed by the ascension of Jesus Christ on the one hand and by his return to the earth at his second coming on the other hand. Really, there are only two great lofty peaks in the topographical map of human history. The first coming of Christ in his incarnation to die on the cross for our sins, and the second coming of Christ to end the human story and bring mankind to judgment. 
The time of the end leading toward the second coming began on the day of ascension. What does this mean? It means that those of us who have believed upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and have been baptized into his death and resurrection have received his message of salvation in our hearts and have been given the promise of our own entry into the presence of God in our resurrected bodies by the power of Christ's one sacrifice once offered. Our chief business, therefore, is to live out in the state of life it has pleased God to call us the profession of our faith in Jesus Christ. We are not to waver or hold back in witnessing to this faith. Our goal and aim as believers is to proclaim the beauty, goodness, and truth of the Lord Jesus to others. This is our mission. It has always been the church's mission from the day of ascension forwards and will continue to be our mission until the day of the second coming of the Lord. In 1 Peter, we have a letter which is written to Christians scattered throughout Asia Minor. Hostility and persecution are mounting against the believers, not unlike the persecution experienced by our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East and Africa today. Even as we worship here, Muslim terrorists are robbing churches, kidnapping, raping and killing women, and executing men simply because they are Christians. Jesus warned his disciples in John chapter 15 that they would be hated and persecuted for following him. Although historically Christians have known religious freedom in the West, Followers of Jesus have always faced persecution and martyrdom in other countries around the world. Today, we witness a sharp increase in Christian persecution and martyrdom. We see this in places where there is aggressive Islamic, Hindu, or communistic encroachment. In writing his epistle, Peter is concerned to teach Christians in difficult times how to live godly and committed lives of devotion and service to their master. He says in 1 Peter 4, 7, The end of all things is at hand. What does Peter mean by these words? Peter doesn't mean a chronological end, but a theological one. He doesn't assume that Christ will return in a few weeks or months. He means rather that all the major events in God's plan of salvation, the incarnation, the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, and the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost, had already happened. Therefore, Christ's second return could happen at any time. It was at hand in Peter's day, and it is still at hand in our day. But that doesn't mean we should try to predict when the end will come, or live in an aimless and unproductive way. Because the end is at hand, how ought the Christian to live? With what should our minds be preoccupied? Peter teaches that the ultimate goal and focus of the Christian life is prayer, out of which will flow purposeful and kingdom-oriented activity. Be, therefore, sober and watch unto prayer. Dear friends, what is prayer? Prayer is the call of God to our hearts and the response of our hearts back to God. Prayer is bringing our lives into God's presence 
so that he can continually make all things new. Prayer is the resting of our hearts in loving communion with our Maker. Prayer is absolutely and fundamentally indispensable to the Christian life. It is, after all, through prayer that we begin our faith in Jesus. The gospel is expressed in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How does this wonderful gospel message become real in our hearts and minds? Through the instrumentality of prayer. By prayer, we believe upon Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. By prayer, we are baptized into union with Christ's death and resurrection. It is by prayer that we receive the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that God may express his life through us. Prayer is also the God-ordained means for us to continue steadily in the path of the Christian life. Prayer is the vital lifeline between earth and heaven. St. John Chrysostom said, Prayer is the slender nerve which moves the muscles of omnipotence. Prayer introduces us to faith in God, and prayer sustains continued faith in God. Now, if prayer is so vitally important to the Christian experience at every stage of the journey, we need to know what it is and what it is not. In 1954, a doctoral student at Princeton University asked, What is there left in the world for original dissertation research? Albert Einstein replied, Find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. What is prayer, beloved? Prayer is not simply a laundry list of requests that we bring again and again into the presence of God. Bringing our request to God is important, but this is not the summarizing totality of prayer. Prayer is the whole being of man, our intellect, emotion, will, and spirit, entering into fellowship and union with the Lord of all life. Prayer is not primarily an exercise of the feelings and emotions. Prayer is an act of the will, by which we lay hold upon God by faith and secure His presence and blessing in our lives. Prayer is not accomplished by forming study circles about prayer, discussing prayer, or reading books on prayer, as helpful as these things may be. Prayer is a discipline coextensive with life itself. Emily Herman, a godly devotional writer from the last century, writes, Prayer is, in the last resort, worth exactly as much or as little as the man behind the prayer. If the man who prays has an obstinate, prejudiced, undisciplined mind, his prayer will suffer from the same defects. If his desires are limited, gross, and ill-guided, so will his prayer be. To pray to be made wise is the merest superstition, unless we bring to our prayer the kind of soul that is capable of acquiring wisdom. We are responsible not only for our prayers, but for providing the backdrop against which prayer can energize. It is not too much indeed to say that for every thought we give to prayer itself, except, of course, the actual practice of prayer, which is vital at every state, 
we should give ten thoughts to the life behind the prayer. Prayer is not trying with all our might to persuade God to do things for us. Prayer is a joyful act by which we devote, commit, and consecrate ourselves wholly to God and His will. As John Paul II says, Totus tuus ego sum. I am totally yours is the heart cry of prayer. This is the yearning of the dedicated follower of Jesus. Do with me whatever you desire, O Lord. Ultimately, Prayer is essentially living and breathing in the atmosphere of God. It is being conscious of His presence and turning to Him at every moment. It is the soul's loving friendship with God. It is referring all things, even the smallest actions, to God out of love for Him. When we go outside and smell the beauty of a rose, our minds thank God for that beauty. When we see the glory of a sunrise or sunset, we give praise to God because He is such a magnificent Creator. Prayer is for the Christian what original research is for the scientist. By prayer, we get into direct contact with spiritual reality. P.T. Forsyth was a godly Scottish theologian and pastor. He said, Every man's life is in some sense a continual state of prayer. For what is his life's prayer but its ruling passion? If you are not praying toward the true God, you are praying toward something else. The man whose passion is habitually set upon pleasure, knowledge, wealth, honor, or power is in a state of prayer to these things or for them. He prays without ceasing. These are his real gods on whom he waits day and night. He may from time to time go on his knees in church or use words of Christian address and petition. He may even feel a momentary unction in so doing, but it is only a flicker. The other devotion is his steady flame. His real God is the ruling passion and steady pursuit of his life taken as a whole. Every life that is not totally inert, is praying either to God or to God's adversary. Wow, these are strong words. But I think P.T. Forsyth is making an important point.
You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. If prayer is so vitally important to Christian experience, then what suggestions are there to help us develop the art of daily prayer? First, choose a time and a place and keep at it. I know people who have built a chapel into their homes when they designed the building plan for their new home. That way there is a specific room where you go to pray. Other people designate a room or a corner of the room in their home for prayer. There are many aids to prayer for us to use once we get to the place designated for prayer. There is the common book of prayer, the liturgy of the hours, or collections of prayers from the past. We can write our own prayers as we meditate or reflect on Scripture and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Some people walk around while they pray. Others kneel by their bedside. Whatever helps you draw close to God in your prayer time, use those helps. But above all, choose a time, choose a place, and keep at it. We don't neglect to feed ourselves several times a day, so we ought not neglect to commune with God spiritually through prayer. Will you encounter difficulty when you pray? Yes, most certainly. At times your prayers will seem self-conscious. At times your prayers will appear to bounce off the ceiling and go nowhere. Sometimes your thoughts will run wild like untamed animals. Other times your mind will drift to your to-do list and you'll get distracted and wonder what is the next thing that I have to do. Never mind. Semper Fidelis, just choose a time and a place and then do it, and do it consistently. Second, practice control of your tongue. Someone said, our prayers are thin and perfunctory in proportion as our tongues are glib and gratuitously communicative. The more control we exercise over our speaking, the deeper, more thoughtful, and more genuine will be our prayers. Many people have trouble practicing the art of silence. It is a good habit to spend time in silence each day, not talking, not on the phone or the computer, but simply sitting quietly in silence and letting your mind rest. Third, practice the discipline of detachment. What is detachment? Detachment means freedom from both the lure of material things without as well as the passions and evil desires within. We experience detachment when we do not indulge soft living, indolence, sloth, or love of pleasure. He who practices detachment is free from the love of money and instead gives generously of what God has entrusted to him. St. Theodorus, the great ascetic, was a 6th century monk who lived outside Jerusalem. He says, 
The warrior of Christ must be above material things and detached from all worldly thoughts and deeds. For as Paul says, in order to please the leader who has chosen him, the soldier going to war does not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men, from the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. In detachment, we learn that the here and now cannot ultimately satisfy us. We learn that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Therefore, we turn our minds and hearts to the true source of happiness and blessedness. This is why Peter commands us, Be sober and watch unto prayer. He uses an interesting original Greek word for sober. The meaning of the word is more than sober from alcohol or drugs. It means to be in one's right mind, to be in control of oneself. It's the same word used to describe the restored demoniac in Mark chapter 5. Do you remember the story? The demoniac was running around in the hills, cutting himself and terrorizing people. Jesus came to him, and once Jesus cast the demon from the man, he became calm and in his right mind again. The word sober carries the idea of maintaining sobriety of mind, tranquility, calmness of spirit. We are not to be intoxicated in either body or mind, but possess ourselves with self-control, self-command, and self-restraint. We can't practice self-control and self-command unless we think steadily of God, of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and of Christ's second coming. We fill our minds with these things, and these things help us in the art of self-control. In order to think this way, we must pray. Prayer keeps us rightly ordered internally. As we turn our minds in prayer to God, we discover that possessions, status, and power become less and less attractive. What does become attractive is living with God in God's kingdom and enjoying the good of His presence day by day. We are likewise to keep watch through prayer for the second coming, eagerly awaiting His appearing. Do you eagerly await the second coming of Christ? The verb eagerly await is used of a man scanning the horizon, looking carefully for what is coming. Do you scan the horizon, looking for Jesus with longing and great expectation? Beloved, when all is said and done, the reason for prayer is that we must pray if we are to stay close to God and do His will. For prayer puts us into partnership with God. Prayer is vital at every turning, for nothing good is accomplished without prayer. Jesus said in Luke 18.1 that men everywhere ought to pray and not give up. It is the very heart of the Christian life that we do not live by our own will, but by another will, the will of our Father in heaven. Therefore, we must pray. 
George MacDonald is one of my favorite authors. He writes, He that is made in the image of God must know him or be desolate. The child must have the father. Witness the dissatisfaction, yes, the desolation of my soul, wretched alone, unfinished without him. It cannot act from itself, save in God. Oh, how I need God to comfort me, to tell me my troubles, to be in me rest and strength, to deliver me from my sins and make me clean. All of these things God has promised to do for us if we will turn our hearts toward him and pray. One final thing to see in our passage. Look at verse 8. Above all, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. One of the wonderful benefits and byproducts of prayer is that it keeps us connected to God who is the source of love himself. Therefore, the more prayerful we are, the more loving we will be. The end of all things is at hand. Will you commit yourself to prayer, purposeful and intentional prayer? E. M. Bounds says, What the church needs today is not new organization or better methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use, men and women of prayer, mighty in prayer. William Law says, It is not the arithmetic of our prayers, how many they are, nor the rhetoric of our prayers, how eloquent they are, nor the geometry of our prayers, how long they are, nor the music of our prayers, how sweet our voice may be, nor the logic of our prayers, how argumentative they may be, nor the method of our prayers, how orderly they may be, which God cares for. Fervency of spirit is the only thing that brings great result. Beloved, let's recommit ourselves to the priority of prayer, real, earnest, fervent prayer. Imagine all that God desires to do for us in our private lives, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in our world, if only we will take time to pray. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. 
I'm Father David Masterson with God Debt Ministries. You may reach us on the web at goddebtministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot org. This program, Exaltation, is designed to encourage you spiritually. Please get in touch with us by going to our website and clicking on the contact link. Contact at godatministries.org. We want to pray for you and support you in any way possible. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.